This is a Toys R Us news update. All the toys, all the time. Hey guys, uh, this is me, Icy Robots. Normally, um, you know, the show's more fun than this, and I know that I, I promised you guys a episode about the top five Universal Monsters, and I'm going to going to do my best to get that out last week, but as many of you know, my my hometown of Santa Rosa, California has been just absolutely devastated by wildfires. I can't even explain to you the the amount of destruction that has taken place. Is, it's so many houses are destroyed, so many businesses are destroyed. They're predicting that by the time this is all over, there's going to be over 7,000 structures destroyed. Right now, the the death toll, I believe, is at 30, and I wouldn't be surprised to see it go well over 100 by the time this is over. Fortunately, my family's safe. My animals are safe. My home is is safe. It was it was questionable for a while, but as of right now, it is safe. I'm I'm unable to get the the episode out about the the monsters, like I said, but I wanted to. I just wanted to share with you guys my. My personal story, my story about how we how we escaped, how we got away from the fire. Um, this has been incredibly difficult, as you can imagine, and I think that it will help me just to be able to tell you what we went through. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna start at the beginning, and I'm gonna go all the way through as far as I can. I'm not going to embellish the story in any way. I'm not going to exaggerate the story in any way because I don't think that I don't think that it needs it. I think that it stands alone just as it is. Um, on last Sunday, there were tremendous windstorms. We get wind just like anywhere else, but these were these were hurricane level winds. I've never seen anything like this in my life in Santa Rosa. The they are saying the winds were at points as high, you know, in upper altitudes, as high as 150 miles an hour. And at this time, they think that one of these winds knocked a power pole down and the the fire quickly spread. But it was, you know, it was windy and it was a Sunday night. We were watching TV and we we went to bed. But I am... I'm a light sleeper. I'm a very light sleeper. And the rattling of the windows was was keeping me up. So I just, you know, I got up to look out the window and see if I really wanted to see if my Halloween blow molds were blowing up and down the street. To be honest, that's what I was doing. I got up and I went to look out the window and I saw that the hills behind my house were bright red with flames. You could see them from where we were and it was a horrifying sight the sky was full of smoke and the clouds were just they were heavy with with the smoke and the embers you could see things flying through the air it was it was terrifying but while it was going on it's hard it's hard to process that it was going to become as out of control as it was we all have faith in our fire departments, we have faith in our safety. It's one of the things that gets us through the day. You believe that you believe that you will you will be safe. And I woke up the wife to show her what I saw, but then I told her, you know, you just go back to bed. You have to get up early for work in the morning and and the daughter has school in the morning. I'll stay up and I'll keep an eye on things. I'll stay on the couch and kinda, you know, doze in and out, but just, you know, keep an eye on what's going on and I did so 
through the night, through the wind, and it got to be maybe five, six in the morning where I could see that the fire was getting closer and closer to where we were. I could see it moving down the hills rapidly, so I woke I woke her up and I said, you know, I am not sure that this is going to be contained. I think that we should start packing stuff up. So we gathered, you know, whatever we could gather. And I, you don't know what to grab. You don't know what to take. I took some clothes. I took, um, you know, the family documents and things like that. But in a situation, it's like you don't no, you don't know what to take. We grabbed food. We grabbed like just stuff out of the freezer. I remember grabbing a frozen lasagna. We grabbed some bananas, things like that. And I told the daughter when she woke up, I let her, I let her sleep through the night because I didn't want her to panic. I thought that that would make things worse, and I didn't know how she would react. And at one point, she just burst out of her door and she said, "I've gotten a million text messages." The there's a giant fire. You guys need to wake up. And I told her, we've been awake. We know that there's a fire. Don't worry. I didn't want to wake you. I didn't want to scare you. And she looked out the window and immediately got terrified. I'm sorry if you keep hearing me swallow. And I apologize for that. I try to edit out mouth noises, but I think I'm just going to send this one out straight. This is actually the latest I've ever recorded an episode near its uh, release date. This is this is the 17th, and it's going to be going out, but I'll I'll tell you what's, what's been going on. And she woke up, and she looked out, and she, she panicked. She didn't panic as bad as I thought she would have, but she thought that we should have gotten out right then. She said, we should go, and I, I wanted to keep her busy. So I got her on um, animal duty. I told her, find all the cats, find every single cat, get the dogs, and lock them in the bathroom in case we have to immediately evacuate. And she... She did that, and we're just, you know, we're sitting there watching the fire approach, and we we don't know at what point we should leave. I mean, we should have left a lot earlier than we did in retrospect, but when it's your home, when it is your literal home, I am from this area, and I've lived in the Rincon Valley area for just most of my life, and this this is my home, and this is the house is my home and I wasn't ready to I wasn't ready to give it up so the wife realized the idea that we should start wetting everything down so we started wetting the bushes we wet the house we turned as much of it as we could to mud and we just you know kept spraying and kept hoping that there would be some some break in in the fire we didn't realize how big it was that it had come from the other side of the hill and that it was just engulfing everything the problem was there wasn't the amount of support that we have now fire support there weren't enough firemen there were fires on our part of town there was a massive fire on the other side of town that destroyed this entire neighborhood called the the coffee area, C-O-F-F-E-Y. I'm not sure who it's named after, but it had already destroyed that area. And there were the fire trucks over there. And then there was another giant fire on the other side of town. There was a point where almost the entirety of Santa Rosa was surrounded by just massive wildfires. And the fire on the other side destroyed this building called the Luther Burbank Center, where there are concerts and things. And it destroyed the Kmart and the shopping center over there. 
Mountain Mike's Pizza, the Arby's, and just that entire area is gone. The coffee area is gone, and the the firemen were over there fighting the areas that were more near to the residential areas. There wasn't anybody over here at this point fighting our fires. They were just they were just moving. I later learned that they were moving at a pace of they estimate three hundred yards per minute, which is which is amazing. They were just they were coming on us like crazy and there got to be a point where I could I could see fire in in the distance. Like I could see the flames and we had been out in front of the house talking with the neighbors about what, what we should do. I was talking to I live on a row of Bobs. There's Bob the DA, there's Bob the um Bob Hippie Bob, I guess is how I would think of him. He lives on the other side, and there's a Bob on the other side of that, and there's a older couple across the street, and there's Christine and Gail next door, and we were all talking about what we should do. The the obvious answer in retrospect is that we should have ran for our lives, but at this point we weren't we weren't ready to do that. And I decided that I would jump on my bike and I would head over there to see how close the fire was and what we should do. Between the fire, there was Oak Park Swim Center, which you may have heard me talk about in the Lost Places episode of uh, This Boring Life. It's one of my favorite places. Between us and the fire was that and Rincon Valley Middle School, where I went to middle school. The middle school borders our back fence, and I think that the middle school being there is what was going to save our lives. I thought that it would have to make it through the parking lot of the middle school, through the middle school, and through the field of the middle school before it reached us. So I felt I felt a bit safe, not entirely safe, but I did feel a bit safe, probably overly safe to be honest with you, but at any rate, I I hopped on my bike and I could see up ahead that there was activity and I could see that they had blocked off a road. As it turns out, to the left of the middle school is an area called uh, Deer Trail and that at that moment, the Deer Trail is a kind of a housing development, like deep in the hills and at that point, many houses in the Deer Trail area had caught fire and houses beyond that had caught fire. There's Another road named Quail Road and houses on Quail Road had caught fire. I believe only one, but I'm not certain. I haven't been able to get over there to see since all this happened, but I could see that there there was some sort of activity. I wasn't sure if I would be able to um, get my bike through there. I didn't know if I would be able to get it on the street, so I cut through the middle school. I, I go through there all the time, and I'm walking the dog, and I went there, so I'm fairly familiar with the layout. There is a kind of a tunnel of sorts that you go through that you can pop out the other side. And I thought that my best bet would be to avoid the road and to go through and pop out the, the other side. So I'm, you know, I'm riding my bike and I'm, I'm wearing a bandana on my face. It was all I could find to block the smoke. Now everybody in town is wearing masks. The entire town is smoky. But at this time, all I had was like a, a black bandana. I'm wearing it across my face like a, uh, like a bandit, like, you know, like a bandit riding, riding my bike. And I got through the, the field, not through the, uh, basketball courts on the school. And as I neared the tunnel that I was going to go through, I saw that it was, um, that it was completely full of smoke. It was black, thick smoke. But when 
I was at home looking over the fence. I could see that there wasn't fire on the other side. So I thought that it may just be like a wind situation that was pushing the fire in, you know, the smoke rather into this tunnel. So I decided to go through it, which again, in retrospect, was a ridiculously stupid thing to do because I didn't know what was on the other side. I could have been riding directly into a fire. I don't know. You don't think well during something like this. You just kind of act as as it were. So I I went in through the tunnel and it was thick black smoke. I couldn't see. And it's only like maybe, I don't know, maybe 20 yards at the most. It's not long at all. I could not see through the other side and I rode into it. And luckily there was nothing on the other side. So I, I popped out. I popped out the other side and I went up to the road. And as I got to the road, I could see that the fire was nearby. The fire was near. I could see, I could see the flames. That has become sort of a dividing point in Santa Rosa between people. Not that it's getting divisive. Things are still being very nice, but that's a, did you see smoke or did you see flames is what it was. And we definitely saw flames. There were giant flames. You could see the fire was spitting embers into the air. And these weren't like small little flakes. These were like burning pieces of trees. And I I didn't mention this earlier, but as the fire was burning through the night, there were houses up in the hills that were being burnt, and you could hear explosions left and right. I'm not exaggerating this in any way. It was people's, I don't know if it was like propane tanks. People think it may have been cars, you know, the gas tanks of cars, or even just houses with the gas still on. But there were explosions in in the sky and I swear to you as long as I live I'm never gonna forget the sound of that it was what I imagine it's like being in combat the sounds the sounds were terrifying and you could still even during the day when I was over there you could hear these these explosions and you could hear trees cracking and falling and it's a very scary sound you could hear like metal structures like there is a um a power station out near where we are and you could hear transformers exploding you could hear like metal bending and ripping it was it was terrifying there's no other way to put it i'm going to be hearing these sounds in my sleep for for years to come i swear to you this is going to be it's a very traumatic event um just telling the story is helping a lot i think but um I went over to where we were and I could see I could see the fire. I could see the fire and it was it was gaining on where Oak Park was. By this time it was still in the field and it was moving slowly. This is maybe I'm going to say 300 yards from our house, but you have to go through the middle school and you have to go through the the field to get to us. But that is still that is still very close. And I I didn't know what to do. I seriously didn't know what to do. So I just, I got on my bike and I, I jammed back home. Oh, this is what I did. It's hard to remember everything in exact details. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do my best to get this out to you as accurately as possible. There was a Cal Fire representative on hand at the time. He was out in the street with his phone live streaming, I imagine, to his to his superiors what he saw. I guess he was like an advanced spotter, I would imagine. And he was there live streaming, you know, FaceTiming or whatever, what he saw. And I 
I asked him, I said, is there help on the way? Do you think that you guys are going to be able to stop it? And he he turned and he looked me right in the eye and he said, there is no help on the way. There are no available units. I do not think that we are going to be able to stop this. If I were you and I live nearby, I would leave now. Your life is in danger. And I could see it moving slowly through the field toward Oak Park. So I, you know, I thanked him and I jumped on my bike and I, I jammed back to the house. And as I, as I rounded the corner, I saw Bob the DA and I saw Christine and Gail and they're like, what did you see? What's going on over there? And I told them what I saw and Bob said, well, why don't we get shovels? Why don't we get shovels and we'll jump in the truck and we'll go over there and see if we can stop the fire in the field before it gets to us. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not a hero in any way. I I try to be brave and I try to be bold and I didn't want to do this, but I wanted to protect my family and I wanted to protect our neighborhood. So I said, okay, let's do it. So I got the wife and we grabbed shovels. For some reason, we have like five or six shovels. So we grabbed our shovels and we threw them in the truck. And I told I told my daughter, I said, look, you stay here and you keep wetting everything. By this point, there were embers flying through the air and they were landing in our yard. Fortunately, nothing caught. But I told her, keep an eye out. Watch everything. And if you see, if you see embers, if you see anything, hit it with the hose as best you can. But if it gets hairy... You run for your life. You run toward Oliver's. That's the shopping center that's near us. I said, you run that way. You run. If you're not here, we'll find you there. But we have to go do this before it gets to us. And she was scared. I could see the fear in her eyes, but she showed incredible courage. And she said, okay, I'll do it. You guys go. And we went and we, you know, we were in the truck and we're rolling over there and we're, we're going to do our best to fight it. But by the time we got there, the Oak Park structure had completely caught fire. It was moving. It was moving so fast. And Oak Park is an old wood building and it caught immediately. And I don't know how tall Oak Park is. Let's just say it was 15 feet, you know, with like the slanty roof. The fire was three times higher than Oak Park and it had caught trees next to it. And it was moving toward houses that were near there. I didn't know at the time, but the houses that were behind Oak Park had all burnt. My daughter has a friend named Gary over there, and his house was completely burnt to the ground, and a few other houses out there were just completely burnt to the ground. There are houses that are right next to it that didn't catch. It's all just it's all just whatever. You don't know what's going to burn, what's not going to burn. Gary lost everything, but his neighbor's didn't lose anything and you know we get there with our shovels and we're you know we're getting ready to like pat the you know pat the ground down but by this point the the oak park fire was it was too big there there was nothing we would have been able to do we would have potentially lost our lives we had no ability to fight anything this big and the only fire personnel that was on hand was the one guy who was you know, f- live streaming it to his superiors. And we had we had no choice but to run back to our house. We had no choice. So we ran back and you could you could see the fire from where we were. You could see it over the top of the junior high building. And our our neighbor Bob, he stayed behind. He didn't join our fire brigade because he, he's a bit older. He's a bit of an older guy. He's a great guy and he's been 
really great through this whole thing, but he he wasn't able to join our fire brigade, as it were. And he was on the roof, and he's yelling, I can see it. I can see it. It's moving toward us. We need to get out of here. So we started more aggressively packing. We started, like, trying to stuff the cats. All we had was one medium-sized cat carrier, and we jammed all of the cats in there. There was one cat that was darting around the house. It was running back and forth and back and forth, and we couldn't get it. And the we're trying. We're doing our best because I don't want to leave any anybody behind. I don't want to leave anybody behind, animal, person, nobody. But we just – we couldn't get a hold of our – the cat, the cat Poke. We couldn't get a hold of Poke, and she's running back and forth. And by this point, the, the centers of PD were going up and – they went down our street, and they had a loudspeaker, and they're screaming – Evacuate, evacuate. You need to leave. You need to leave now. You need to leave now. And we're trying to catch Poke, and Poke made a break for the cat door. Don't ask me why we didn't lock the cat door. I have no idea. It was just everything was happening so quickly. But as she ran for the cat door, I was able to grab her tail. I grabbed her tail, and I pulled her in. I was a bit more aggressive than I wanted to be, but I grabbed her, and we threw her in that carrier, and we started... We started loading up the truck. I saw um, there's an elderly lady who lives across the street from us, and I saw her loading stuff, and I ran over, and I helped her load her car as best I could. And I'm just like, you got to go. You got to go. It's like I'm yelling because the firemen, I mean the policemen rather, are going down our street, and they're beating on doors. They're waking people up. Fortunately, we were up. Fortunately, you know – Praise be to whoever. We were up. There were people who were not up. We were able to pack some of our things and get away while other people were just woken up at that moment. And I realized in retrospect, we should have sent somebody – like we had a small you know, neighborhood collision. We're all talking and we're all getting ready. We should have sent somebody door to door to make sure that everybody was safe. But we could see the people near us were out and we didn't realize that everybody wasn't awake. But we saw – as we were, you know, getting ready to leave, I saw people, you know, in stocking feet and slippers and pajamas being awoken to this, to this, you know, this, this terrible situation. And I, I did what I could. I helped a couple other people pack their cars. And while we're doing this, I can see the smoke. I'll, I'll try to post pictures at some point of this, but the smoke was so high. The smoke was you couldn't see anything except for thick black smoke and it was it was close so we we jumped into the truck we threw the cat carriers in the back and the dogs dogs just came willingly they're just like look you're not leaving us behind they they jumped right in um Ursa and Dr. Jones jumped with us and we we careened madly out of here and as we're leaving, you know, I, I looked back and I I saw our house and I thought, there's no firemen, there's no support. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. They were they were doing what they could do with the amount of trucks and people that they had. I they have been amazing through all this and I'm not saying anything negative. They just I didn't think they would be able to get here in time. And I, I looked back at our house and I thought, this is the last time I'm ever going to see my house. I said, this is this is it. I've been living here for 
most of my life. Uh, this was my childhood home. I lived here as a child, and then when my parents moved to Arizona, we we got it from them because I love it here. I love Santa Rosa, and I love Rincon Valley where I live. I love Rincon Valley. I love Rincon Valley people. I love everything about it. I don't ever want to live anywhere but Rincon Valley in my life. Rincon Valley is my home, and I thought that that's it. I'm never gonna see this place again and you know I'm not you know I'm I'm man enough to admit that I you know I had tears in my eyes I had tears in my eyes I wasn't you know I wasn't crying I have since I've since cried many times and I'm not ashamed to admit it because I feel so much for everybody and their losses this is my home these are my people and I feel for people who've died there have been so many tragic stories but there were you know there were tears in my eyes that you know and we're, you know, we're driving away. We are literally fleeing for our lives. We're fleeing for our lives. And I've never been in a position like that before. And we we took off and we're going to my sister-in-law's house. We called her on the way and we said, we've, you know, we're, fl- we're running for our lives and we have nowhere to go but your house. She lives over on the other side of town. And as we're driving out on Highway 12 and we're leaving and I see my neighbors. I see my neighbors leaving and I see them. It's like a, you know, it's like a caravan of Bob and everybody. And we're just, we're going and I see their faces and they all look like I do. They all look like we're never coming back here. We're never going to see our beloved neighborhood again. And it was, it was heartbreaking. I swear to you, I'm never going to forget. I was driving away and I looked and I, you know, I connected eyes with one of our neighbors and we both just were like, this, you know, the, the, the sorrow and the fear was heavy and I could see it in her eyes as well. And we're driving down, we're driving down Highway 12 as fast as we can and we're just, we're terrified, we're scared and we're sad and I could see debris like there's debris falling in the air as we're going because this fire that was behind us was the Tubbs fire it started out on Tubbs road in the middle of the night there was also the nuns fire which was on the other side and there was another fire too the pocket fire and as we're as we're driving away we are in between these two fires we're were trapped by these fires, as it were. There was only one way out, and there's debris falling. There's things, you know, hitting our truck. And as we're going down Highway 12, we see the person ahead of us who's in in the road. His, I'm not a an expert on cars, but his car it didn't explode. It sort of burst. And, like, fluids started flying out of his car, and his hood flew up, and, like, smoke was coming out. And I could I could see in the window of his car that he, you know, he's an elderly guy on a air tank. And we had no choice but to just swerve past him. It was, it was literally, like, a life-or-death point at this time. And... This is another thing I'm never forget. I'm never gonna forget going past this guy and having to, having to leave him behind. It fills me with incredible regret. But we had no space in the car. It's like you have to, you have to save yourself and you have to save your family. I am happy to report that I could see somebody behind us 
jumped out of their car and just grabbed him and pulled him into their car while other people pushed the car off the road. So I'm happy to say he survived, but it's, I didn't, it's, it just, it saddens me to say that we wouldn't have been able to save him. The back of the truck was full. We were like the Beverly Hillbillies, like the truck was full. There would be no, there was no space in the, in, in the cab at that point. It was me the dogs, we would have had to, and I'm not exaggerating, we would have had to have strapped him on the top like Granny in Beverly Hillbillies. We just didn't have the room. And I thank God that somebody was able to stop and pull them into their, it was a white, like a uh, like a minivan, and they were able to pull him into there. So I at least can rest at night knowing that he didn't die, but it was, that was one of the lasting images I'm going to have of this whole thing was just that we had to, we had to save our family, and it's sad, but it's unfortunately true. And we were able to eventually make it across town to my sister-in-law's house, and we we spent the night there. But she is a she's a vet tech, and she works just like eighty hours a week. She's never home, so she doesn't have internet. She doesn't pay for internet at her house because she's never there, and she doesn't have cable. And the fire was it destroyed a bunch of Verizon towers. So we didn't have cell service and we didn't have, you know, the internet on the phone. We had nothing. We were just in the house. She doesn't have a landline. I want to say this. We have a landline and I recommend to everybody, if you have a wired landline, please keep it for emergency situations because this will come into play later in the story, but just keep it for emergency because when this was all going down, we had no cell phone and we had no internet. We had nothing at all. So please keep your wired lines as much as, as you can afford to because you just – you never know what will happen. But we were at my sister-in-law's house and we were actually able to um, you know, get some, get some sleep because we had been up the entire night before and it was – I, I'm the kind of dude, I need enough sleep and I was able to go by on, you know, just a couple hours, but it was nice to, to clock some Z's, but we weren't able to clock many because we were at that point, we were refugees more or less. We had no home. So we were laying on couches and we were laying on the floor and it was just, it was too hard to actually get any real sleep. But we were up eventually, and we were, you know, I was talking to the wife, and I said, I can't, I can't rest not knowing what happened to our home. I can't rest without knowing what is happening on our side of town. So we decided to go and see. Me and the wife in the truck decided to go see what was happening. So we drove back down Highway 12 into Rinkin Valley and I could still see the smoke. I could still see the smoke. I could still see the fire and we're getting closer and closer to our neighborhood and I could just I've never been as anxious as I was during those moments not knowing what I was going to see and we're getting more near and more near. And we turned the corner onto where we turned before turning on our street. And 
I could see that our street was there. I could see our street was there, but I also know that fire is fickle and that one house may survive and the house next to it may be may be destroyed. So I don't know what to think, but we're going down our block and I see I see Fred Marvel's house and I see Al's house and I see Bob's house and I see Christine's house. And then finally we got to it and I could see our house. It was there and I just I cried. I cried as hard as I've ever cried before because I was just, you're holding it all in and I just couldn't believe that our, our house was safe. I, I've never felt anything like that. It was just like a release of fear and joy and just everything at once. But the air was, the air was so thick with black smoke. It was just, it was completely unbreathable and unlivable here. So we went back to the sister-in-law's house and, you know, I was happy to be able to tell 2.0 that we still had a place to home, a place to go. We still had a home. And I want to tell you guys, don't ever, don't ever take anything for granted because I never thought that anything like this could happen to us. Sure. We live in California. We're going to get an earthquake or two at some point. And I knew that would happen, but I never expected anything like this because sure there are earthquakes and nothing is earthquake proof but most of the houses around here were built recently enough that they are at the very least earthquake resistant you know we've been through some big ones and made it so far but nothing is fireproof as far as a house maybe if you have a castle like a stone castle but i don't even i don't even know about that so i just man i thank god that our home was here but at this point we weren't we weren't out of the frying pan yet. The um, tubs fire was still raging. As it turns out, I later found out from Al. Al down the street never left. He never evacuated. He stayed here. And he said that right after everybody fled, there were two fire trucks somehow were cleared up and they made it here and they were able to put out Oak Park and they were able to put out the field. And there was lucky for us some wind shifted and it blew the fire away from us but unluckily for other people it blew the fire toward their house so their houses are gone and it's so hard to think that you're happy that your house made it but what benefited you hurt somebody else and you know it saddens me to think that I made it and they didn't and it saddens me to think that I'm happy that I made it and not that I didn't want them to make it but I'm happy that the wind blew in their direction. I got to tell you when eventually this is all over there is going to be a lot of a lot of counseling required for people. Some people lost everything, some people lost nothing, some people some people made it through without any inconvenience of any sort. Some people didn't even lose power or cable or anything. Some people made it through just scot-free, and I imagine they're going to have survivor's guilt. I, to a degree, feel like I have survival guilt, and to some degree, I feel like I have, like, post-traumatic stress. I have not been able to really sleep clearly. I have my phone right next to me, and you just heard a bloop. Um, There are we're everybody signed up for something called Nixel, 
when it started. And Nixle is controlled by the sheriff's department, and they are sending out bulletins at all times. And you have to you have to stay alert because these bulletins may pertain to you. They may pertain to emergency evacuation. So I do have my phone with me, and I apologize that you heard the bloop. But where was I? We weren't out of the fire yet, as it were. We live out near Highway 12 and Calistoga Road, and Calistoga was completely evacuated. The town of Calistoga has been completely evacuated. They've since been allowed back, but at the time, the fire in Calistoga was still raging like crazy, and a new fire popped up in Oakmont. Oakmont is a retirement community way out past where we are, and they're calling that one the Oakmont Fire. And as as I speak right now, the Oakmont fire is still raging. I think they have 15% containment, but they're afraid it's going to connect with the Nuns fire, which is very well contained at the moment. It's not 100%. I think it's like 65%. But if the Oakmont fire reaches the Nuns fire, then you have a whole a whole another problem. But we we came back home, and power came back on, and we're home and we start getting Nixle alerts about the Oakmont fire, and they evacuated half of Rincon Valley, the half that's over near Calistoga Road. And those poor folks haven't been able to go home yet because they could very easily become victims of the Oakmont fire. The Oakmont fire, if it hopped Highway 12, would just have nothing but just space and opportunity to burn before it reached there. So that whole... That whole side of Rincon Valley is still evacuated, and we we woke up at night. It's like I said, it's very hard to sleep. It's very hard to sleep. It's been like this constant fear and just constant. You don't know what's going to happen, and the evacuations are so close to where we are. I can look out my door and I can see areas that are evacuated. I'm going to be honest with you. When we came back, it was still a mandatory evacuation zone. I believe the evacuation has since been lifted, but for a while we were in a mandatory evacuation zone, and I can still see it, the evacuated people from where where I sit, where I sit right now. So the um, just like the fear isn't going away, and we're hardly able to sleep. I've since gotten a, a fairly decent night's sleep since, so I feel better, but... For a period, I was I was rocking like three hours a night because I got to stay alert. I got to keep my family safe. If it means staying up all night and watching the hills, that's you know that's what I'm going to do, and it's what you would do. I know it's what you would do. You would do whatever it takes to keep your family safe. And I was up and I looked out the window. I keep going outside, checking the hills, and I went out and I saw the hills. And this was from a different direction. This was over pointing toward Calistoga Road, and they were. They were aflame like the first night, and I. It, it's at that point it became just emotionally overwhelming. I'm going to tell you, I didn't, I didn't crack, I didn't break. I have not yet, I have not yet cracked. I imagine that I will crack at some point, but it hasn't happened yet. But um, you know, I woke up the family again, and we could see that there was more fire heading in our direction, and it was honestly just a matter of the direction that we were looking at the fire was in reality many 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 miles away but in looking at it you could see that there was fire so we 
we had to do it all over again. We packed all over again for another evacuation, just better to be safe than sorry. And, you know, thank to who's ever out there looking out for us. The evacuation didn't happen for us, but it did happen for other people. But just, you know, the weight of living under that potential evacuation is heavy. It's hard. And I'm happy to say at this point, they did a press conference this morning. There are like three a day press conferences with the sheriff and the fire that you can watch on the Facebook or here on the radio. And today they actually said the words, Rincon Valley is safe. And I was just the nicest thing I've ever heard in my life. I know, I know these Cal Fire people are level-headed. They're not braggers. They're not the kind of people who are going to say something unless they are absolutely certain of it. And they said, Rincon Valley is safe. So as of right now, I was able to just able to rest a bit. I was able to feel a little better and... That doesn't mean it's over. The fires aren't out. They do predict mostly that the fires will be contained by Friday. That should be a couple days after you hear that. And that's great news. But to be honest, the fires being out are just step one of our journey to get Santa Rosa back. We're not even at step one yet. The town is devastated. There are over 100,000 people without homes right now that's a hundred thousand people that's that's a you know a city that's a city worth of people without homes my my daughter has at least five friends that she knows of right now max 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 shipman um her friend i can't even remember all their names but she knows so many of her friends from school have lost their homes they've lost They've lost everything. It's going to be so long before Santa Rosa is back on its feet. There are entire neighborhoods that are just that are just gone. But you know, thanks to who's ever out there looking for out for us, we we made it out, except for you know some emotional trauma, and that's nothing compared to what people will go through. And eventually, that's going to go away. Eventually this is all just going to be a story in the past that I'm telling people. <laughs> and I can't wait for that time and I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you sitting through this and listening to this. It's been it's made me feel good to get this off my chest. It's made me feel good to be able just to tell anybody and I've been receiving so many kind words on the Facebook page, you know, just engineer nerds been reaching out, Ferg, Zerb, uh, you know, Daniel13, um, Gabe Van Gilder, Eric Persil, all these people, there's just too many to name, and I thank you all for reaching out to me and for reaching out to Gino Vega, who also lives in Santa Rosa. Thanks be to who's ever up there looking. Gino Vega and his family and his home was mostly unaffected. I'm just so happy to hear that because I don't want to hear anything happen. He has two young daughters and a wife, and he has parents who live here in town. They've all made it safely. I believe his parents were briefly evacuated, but they're home and they're safe and their neighborhood is safe. And I'm just so happy to know that it's... I'm just so happy to hear that it's just I'm just so happy to hear everything I'm I swear to you that 
life will never be the same going forward. I I live with a lot of anxiety. It's not something I talk about, but I'm a very anxious person. And after going through this, I don't know what there is in life to be anxious about. You know, I get anxious about talking to people or anxious about this and about that. And after after living with fear like that, I don't know what I could possibly be anxious about anymore. This has been something that I feel as if it's going to make all of us stronger. After surviving this, it's like, what else could there be that could be as scary as this? And I I hope that I could take this and I could grow from it and I could make it stronger and I hope that I can be there to help people and I could help just whoever needs it just because we made it, man. We made it and I just... You know, thanks to who's ever looking out for there. Oh, I want to mention this. Doug McCoy, who you might know from McCoy Cast, Crazy Creepy Cool Movies. He does another show. He is a podcasting friend of mine. When all this was going on during the thick of this, he reached out to me through Voxer. Voxer is a phone app. It's like your phone acts like a walkie-talkie. And he reached out to me through Voxer. He lives in Fairfield, which is maybe an hour from here. And he told me that he was off that day, that he was off and that he had shovels and he had everything ready and he was going to come down and he was going to help us if we were fighting the fire. He was going to stand he was going to stand side by side with me and put his put his bacon in the pan and do what it took to help me because he is a good man and I just if you don't listen to Doug McCoy, if you don't listen to McCoy Cast, please do so because he is a solid A1 person who was willing to put his fat in the pan to save me. So Doug McCoy, if you're listening to this, I I thank you for that. Just knowing that somebody was out there willing to help just made me feel so much better at the time. So thank you for that. Thank you for everybody who reached out for me. And I'm going to do my best to get this Universal Monster episode out from there. But I also I have to admit that even though everything's safe and everything's sound, I don't know if the Toys R Us report is going to go back on a regular schedule for a while because I have to be here for Santa Rosa. I have to be here for for my peeps and it may turn out that the thing that I can do to be here for people is just to record shows that hopefully make people's week a bit less weak but I'm going to do some volunteer work the veterans building is just jam-packed with refugees the high school is jam-packed with refugees I'm going to do what I can to help these people and I have to do that so I don't know if I'm going to be able to go back to a recording a regular schedule for a while the Universal Monster episode is mostly finished so I do think I'm going to be able to punch that out when I when I can get away but I I can't make any guarantees so I hope that you can I hope that you can sit with us through this through this trying time and I hope that I hope that you have understanding that we just may not be back on a regular schedule for a bit. I, I that may not even be true. I may just keep punching it out because it feels good. It feels good to do normal things. We've gone out, and we've done some shopping and stuff, just because it feels good to do normal things. So I may just, I may stick on a standard schedule, but I honestly do not know as of right now. So please. Please bear with us. Please continue to support us. Do what you can for Santa Rosa. Donate to the Redwood Credit Union. They give 100% of all donations. Don't don't donate to some of these shady organizations. I've heard the Red Cross is pretty shady. I don't know anything about that. I don't want to spread any weird rumors, but people keep saying that you shouldn't donate to the Red Cross. You should donate to the Redwood Credit Union. They're a local local bank, but people are people are going to need it. People are going to need money to rebuild. So please, if you've ever 
gotten any enjoyment from what we do here for you in Santa Rosa, please, please give a bit to those who need it because they need it, man. Um, I guess that's about it. I This is almost 50 minutes. I, I expected to punch this out in 20 minutes, but it, I guess I had a lot to say. Um, so bear with us. We'll do what we can. Thanks for all the kind words. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. They really did make a difference to know that you guys were out there thinking about us. It really does help to know that you guys are there. So this is me, Icy Robots, signing off for Toys R Us Report episode. I honestly don't even know what episode this is. Let me go on the... Let me look. Um, let me see what episode we are to sign off on here. This is episode number 133. So, um, just keep us in your prayers, man. Keep us, keep us in your thoughts. Keep us in your prayers. We'll do what we can to keep things regular. And I appreciate you guys listening to this. Um, this is me, Icy Robot, signing off from the Icy Robots Earth Base One here in beautiful Santa Rosa, California, here in beautiful Rinkin Valley. Peace.